Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Have you started your, uh, your wisdom habit this week? I sent that to you. Uh, as we start our Wisdom Chasers series here, uh, that's where you're going to read a, a proverb, a, a chapter of Proverbs every day that corresponds to the day on the calendar. So t- today is August 4th, and so that means you should have read uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Now, if you do that all the way through this month, you'll read through the whole book of Proverbs. And if you do it all through the series of Wisdom Chasers, you will read through the book of Proverbs three times. And have proven yourself to be a chaser of the most important, most valuable wisdom you can have for your life on this earth, God's wisdom. Now, I emailed that that to you last week. If you didn't get the email, let me know. We'll make sure you get on the email list. Now, one of our, our favorite foods at the Ruble House is Chinese food. And uh, especially when we get it to take out, you know, get it, bring it home. And at the end of every Chinese meal, there is a fortune cookie that we uh, enjoy. And in, in the uh, center of a fortune cookie is a little white slip of paper that has some words written on it about life or something about it. Uh, there's also lucky numbers on it, 10, 9, 36, 39, 23, 51, in case you'd like to play the lottery, um, which I'm not encouraging you to do this morning, but some people do, like Charles Jackson Jr. Last month on June 5th, he played the fortune cookie numbers and won 344.6 million in the Powerball. Um, you know, for us at our house, pretty much these these words that come on these little white strips of paper are meaningless, except for the laugh that we get from them at times. But for a whole lot of people, they are not meaningless. There, they, there are words of hope here. There are, are words of guidance. There are words of promise here. Now, if you had to guess, how many fortune cookies do you think are made and sold in the world every year? Seven billion people in the world. How many fortune cookies do you think? Three billion. And most of them are made and sold right here. In the good old USA, I read that you uh, can't buy a fortune cookie in China <laughs> because they're deemed too much a um, American food. They originally came from Japan sometime in the 1800s. Nobody really knows who the genius was that you know, started making fortune cookies. Um, and who knows who started putting pieces of paper in them with words on them. Um, but how much stock... Do you put in a fortune, on a fortune cookie? Would you take those numbers and play them if you were uh, of the mind in the lottery? You know, one time on a Sunday morning, there was a young man who came up to me. And he was, uh, 
he was sharing with me some of his woes, some of his troubles that he was having with his girlfriend. And he pulls out his wallet, and he pulls out a little white slip of paper, and he reads it to me because he was getting some hope from these words that things were going to work out great with his girlfriend. And he was just clinging to this piece of paper. And I said, you know what you need to do with that piece of paper? You need to throw it in the trash. And you need to go to a place that has real promises for life. You need to go to your Bible and you need to start reading. And as soon as the Lord speaks to you, you want to take what he speaks, write that down on a little slip of paper and put that in your wallet. Because that promise is real. You know, when it comes to the wisdom for our life, we have a ton of places that we can go to for for information, for, for wisdom. I mean, think of it. The Internet is this huge source of information. You know, if you read it on the Internet, man, it's true. I mean, you know, right? And think of all the experts that are so easily available to us. Thank God bless the experts for investing in finances and colleges and, and careers and health and fitness and sports and gardening and traveling. Life coaches, God bless them. Lots of options, right, for wisdom. Well, when you came in, I don't know if you saw back there in the living room that there's a box of fortune cookies there. I want you to grab one on your way out if you haven't already um, and take it home. But I don't want you to eat it. You don't eat it yet. You can eat it later if you want to. Um, but I, I just want you to hang on to it and put it in a place in your house where you're going to see it every day. And I just want this to represent the, all of the options that are available to us of, in the world's wisdom. Because it's just in a nutshell, they're going to go in, into this little wrapper. Here's all of the world's wisdom. Now, I know that is totally not fair because all of that wisdom is not created equal. And God does use that wisdom at times to communicate wisdom to us. But for the sake of what we're doing this fall, pursuing our pursuit this fall, this is the world's wisdom. Now, over the next 12 weeks, we are going to go on a concerted effort to pursue God's wisdom, the wisdom that can be found in here. And since, since the world's wisdom is so easily available to us, since, since the answers are so quick to find, hey Siri, how do you say hello in Chinese? She'll tell you. They're right there at our fingertips. So inevitably, we neglect this wisdom to get quick answers for our life. And so over the summer, or over the fall, we're going to try and seek out God's wisdom. Now, what I'm, I'm, I'm not saying here is that all of this wisdom is bad. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you cannot go wrong with this wisdom. Okay? This wisdom needs a filter. Okay? This wisdom does not. Everything in this book is profitable for your life, for following Jesus for learning about who God is and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Finding help and hope in our, in our time of need. This is where we find it, not here. Okay, so just take that home. If you already ate it, that's okay. Get another one. There should be, there should be enough. Now, what is, what is wisdom? You know, we are, we are familiar with the concept of wisdom. We know it when we encounter it. Um, like this wisdom, um, don't look for, uh, don't look where you fall, but where you slipped. I 
found that on the internet, by the way. Um, that's an African African proverb. Um, so, so you know, that sounds kind of wise. Um, we, we know that wisdom has a mascot, right? Here's the mascot of wisdom. And, you know, you maybe you forgot, but you know that's that the wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? It's on my parents' wall. <laughs> I read that every day as a kid. We know when wisdom is missing. Here's a picture of it. I don't know. Found that on the internet too. So wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge. But you can know and not be wise. Wisdom is experience. But you can experience something and not be wise. So we're familiar with this concept of wisdom. We know it when we encountered it, when it's missing. Here is a dictionary definition. Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Now you've got the world's wisdom available to you right here. Let's pick up God's wisdom and start our chase this fall for it as wisdom chasers. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom, instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the, wise, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning. We rejoice in uh, this wonderful book um, of wisdom that you have given us. And here, Lord, we get to begin a, a new uh, journey through a book that you've given for our good, for our benefit, for your glory. And uh, Lord, as we begin, we ask your blessing on it. We ask you to bless this time that we'll spend soaking our hearts in the book of Proverbs every single day as we read these words. We pray you would speak to us, speak to our hearts, to grow us in our understanding, to grow us in our wisdom for this life that you've given us to live. And right now, Lord, we pray just for this time we've got for this next few moments as we look at these words that begin this great book, you know, just speak to us now. Speak to our hearts, help us to understand, help us to hunger and thirst for what you have for us. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this very first verse gives us a chance to talk about the content of the book of Proverbs. It is, it is a book full of the words of wisdom. So, God knew that wisdom was something that we were going to need in our life on this earth. And so 10%, almost 10% of our Bible is made up of what we call wisdom literature. And that is the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. And so it's called wisdom literature because of its emphasis on understanding and attaining wisdom for our life, including our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So the Proverbs are words of wisdom. 
And verse 1 gives credit to the book of Proverbs to King Solomon, uh, son of David. But he's not the only contributor uh, to the book. He's just the most famous. And he is also the, the, the major contributor to the book of Proverbs. Now this King Solomon, he is the one, remember, who was gifted by God the gift of wisdom. And you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 3. God comes to Solomon in a dream and he, he gives him this incredible opportunity. He says, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. And so this is what Solomon said in verse 9 of First Kings 3. He said, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. And then the Lord responded to him in verses 10 to 12. It says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Whoa. So that is the King Solomon who wrote the majority of the book of Proverbs. I was always, always wondered, how wise was Solomon to, before he got the gift of wisdom to go and ask God for the gift of wisdom? I mean, how wise was he? God was so pleased you know, with his request that he granted him that request and he gave him everything else. The wealth, the conquering, and, and the long life. So this is a really good place to kind of pause and just ask ourselves about this request that Solomon made. See, it is still possible for us to receive the gift of wisdom from God because God has made it available. He's written it down for us right here for us, for us to read. But the thing is, we need to have a heart that desires to have it. Okay, so we need we need that heart. So we got to ask ourselves if God gave me the same opportunity that Solomon had to ask him for anything I want and know that I would get it. Would I ask for wisdom? Would it be in my top three? Would it make my top ten? Would it be on the list at all? This wisdom chasers is an opportunity for us to change our priorities from instant gratification to gradual transformation through the power of His Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, applying His wisdom to our hearts and our lives. That's what this is. We've got an opportunity to do that. I mean, just think of what we have here. Words of wisdom written by the second most wise man that ever lived. The rest by some divinely inspired geniuses. Are you excited? Can you wait? I mean, are you curious about what, how this book is going to teach you and grow you and, and change you? Do you have a hunger for this chase? That's the question you want to ask yourself this morning. Now, some words are written for fun. And some words are written for inspiration, some for historical records. Some words are written for comfort, encouragement, education. These words are written for wisdom. These are words for 
wisdom. In verses 2 to 6, it spells out the purpose of Proverbs. So to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to, you, to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So this is more than uh, just head knowledge, but that's a part of, of it. Now the goal of Proverbs is to get wisdom to come out of our mouth and come out of our body. <laughs> I mean, it, it is the goal, the purpose of Proverbs is to teach us how to talk and how to walk. And then, you know, when we get in these different life, uh, different areas of our life. So wise dealings in rightness, in justice, and fair living. That's the purpose. Now, verse 4 names the people that the book is intended for. He calls them the simple. The simple. Other versions say the naive, the ignorant, the inexperienced, the youth. You'll also hear a lot about the fool and his foolishness. Now, the original audience for the book of Proverbs was a group of young men who were growing up in the royal court. They were in their teens and 20s, and they were being trained to lead Israel. And so that's what Proverbs was for, was to teach them how to lead uh, the people. Now, just because you've got a little life under your belt, uh, just because this is not your first rodeo, we do not want to disqualify ourselves from being a wisdom chaser. Okay? You don't want to disqualify yourself. See, one of the surest signs that you're growing in wisdom is the knowledge that you don't have near enough of God's wisdom that you need for your life. It's one of the surest signs. So to join in this chase, uh, this wisdom chaser thing that we're going to go on here together as a church, to do that, you've got to start with a confession. And that confession is, I don't know everything. And I don't have enough wisdom to live tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. I need help. I need God's wisdom. Now, the way Proverbs accomplishes this transformation from simple to wise is this slow, deliberate process of listening to these words, um, thinking about how they apply to your life, talking to God about them, and then putting them into practice. And that's kind of the process. One read through the book of Proverbs is not going to make you a wise person. You know, so when you get to the end of August, don't think, you know, I've got it, I'm, I've, they, I've arrived. Okay? No, no. no. One read isn't going isn't gonna to do it. We've got to chase after this. And this is a lifelong pursuit. We've got to go after it um, every single day. Every single day. That's why I gave you a wisdom habit to read that chapter of Proverbs. So we want to place ourselves under these words that God has written for us to make us wise. And then as we do that, as we go through that, day after day, month after month, year after year, we will find ourselves thinking differently about this this world, this life, these people that are around us. And then we will find ourselves talking and walking in a different way. Now since it's gradual, you may not notice it. But I promise you, other people will. 
Do you know, can you think of somebody in your life who you think is a wise person? Can you think of someone? That is who you want to be. How would your relationships change if you had more of God's wisdom? How would your job change? How would your ministry change? Your spiritual life, your goals. I I was thinking about that. I don't think there's one bad change that can happen in your life for having more of God's wisdom. This is a this is this this is a no lose deal here. Just have to go after it. So how are we going to go after it? Chapters one to nine is a series of poems that are enticing us, tempting us, calling us, begging us to chase wisdom. To go after it with, with everything in us. Then chapters 10 to 13, 31, um, that's a collection of hundreds of sayings about any and all aspects of, of life. So we're going to spend three more weeks in the first nine chapters. And then we're going to switch over the last eight weeks. And we're going to start applying the wisdom of Proverbs to different areas of our life. So a proverb is a short saying like, look before you leap. And that's a proverb. But a biblical proverb goes beyond just common sense, straightforwardness for, for life. It's much more dynamic than that. These proverbs are like little virtual reality worlds for our life. So we can like jump into it and experience it before we actually experience it. Do you uh, like roller coasters? I used to. Now I'm a bit more cautious, you know, when it comes to to these uh, thrill rides. I, I want to know a little bit more about how I'm putting my body at risk for, you know, what the thrill is. You know, thanks to YouTube, you can actually get more information about roller coasters before you ride them. Okay, so I wanted to, to show you an example of, of this. And this is, this is a quick example. It's just 90 seconds long. It's from a coaster in Ocean View, Hong Kong. And uh, it's called the Hair Razor. Okay, so, you know, take that into account as you watch. You might want to look away. I don't know. You decide. I don't know about you, but I would not be checking the views out when I'm on that. I mean, I just, I just, I just wouldn't do it. Well, now you've got a little bit more information about, uh, about that roller coaster. If the name, if the name Hair Razor didn't scare you off, uh, now you know. So you like have ridden it. So the next time you're in Hong Kong, you can say, you know, I've done that already. <laughs> or you can put your body at risk. On, on that. Now see, here's the thing. Life is really like a roller coaster. It, it, it really is. And Proverbs gives us these little virtual reality views of it. Now see, virtual reality goes beyond that. Okay, we're still outside the coaster. When you put on these goggles for virtual reality, it actually puts you on the coaster and you actually go through that ride. And so that's what Proverbs does for us. So, you know, when we read it, when we read a proverb, it's like we're going up the hill, you know, and, and, and we read it and then we start, you know, going down in this virtual reality world and we're able to take what Proverbs says and go, this is how life would be like before we actually go live it. So Proverbs 10, 9, for instance, says people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. So that's a little virtual reality world, a little VR world of walking two different paths. 
Okay, one of them is the path of integrity, where your inside life and your outside life are the same. And that's a safe walk. And the other is a crooked walk, where they're, they're different. Uh, the, the, the inside and the outside are different. There's two lives being played, and that one leads to, to some kind of crash, some kind of disaster. So you put those VR goggles on, and you imagine just yourself walking on those paths and what life might what it might look like if you do that. So the, then you ask yourself the question, which one do I want to walk on? Do I want to walk on the safe path or do I want to walk on the one that ends in a crash? Wise people consistently choose the safety of integrity. Now in chapter 1, as it goes on in verses 8 to 19, there's another form of the way wisdom comes to us. It's a poetic warning. And it begins with this plea from a dad to his son to not forsake his uh, dad's and mom's teaching. So moms, you're included in all of this teaching as well, even though you don't get mentioned much in there. So it says there, If sinners entice you to go and steal from others, selling you on uh, the fruits of of doing the stealing, you know, think of all that you're going to enjoy. If they do that, don't go that way, because they're setting a trap for themselves and they don't even know it. I mean, what they're actually doing, when they steal stuff from other people, that's actually going to steal their life from them in some way. So don't go that way. Now, hopefully, you've already read Proverbs 1, and you know you know what I'm talking about there, because you're doing the wisdom habit for each week, you know, reading Proverbs 1 on August 1st, da-da-da-da, you get it. Put up, so put on these VR goggles for this poem. So put them on, and when you're, on, when you're, when you're hearing it, you've got to hear the sound of the people calling you to go... For dishonest gain. Like Charles Gas Charles Charles's voice. Charles Jackson, I think is his name. Can you hear Charles Gaskin's voice to calling you to play the lottery? That's dishonest gain, folks. That's what putting these on will do. So we hear that call. Oh my goodness, I got all messed up on this. <laughs> so we hear, we hear that call, okay, of, of the sinners enticing us to sin. And we feel that tug of wanting to be liked, of wanting to have more, of, of wanting to be accepted. We, we can feel that when we read this proverb. We can see them being ruined by the stuff that they stole. Most lottery winners' lives get ruined when they get all that money. We can see that. And then we can watch ourselves walk. Either walk toward them. Or turn away. That's where we start asking God. God make me aware of these siren calls of sin. That look good. That sound good. But lead to bad things. Lead to destruction and death in my life. Ask him for the strength and the courage to say no and to turn away. That is hard to do, but his spirit's in us. He helps us to do that. And then we go and we live the life and we do the next thing we know to be right. That's how this process goes. So, will you give yourself to the chase? Will you go after God's wisdom and let the purpose of Proverbs be accomplished in your life? Now realize these Proverbs are not promises. Okay, they're principles for living. And so when you're reading along, you go, well, I can think of something that happened that didn't match up with what, you know, God's saying here. 
And that's because it's a principle, not not a promise. So you're going to be able to maybe think of an exception or two, but by and large, generally, the truth of Proverbs will come true in life. That's why when you're reading along in Proverbs, um, <laughs> there you'll come to a place and, and you'll read one, and it'll say something, and you, you'll read another one, and it'll say exactly the opposite. You know, like a like a contradiction. So, for instance, in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5, there's instructions there on answering a fool. Alright, so verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then verse 5 comes along and says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So, one seems says, don't answer a fool in their folly, and the next one says, to answer a fool. So, which is it? What is going on here? Uh, well, here's what, what we can understand. When you're talking to a fool, that conversation is going to be different every single time. And so sometimes we need to realize that we need to answer a fool so that we, they can realize they're being a fool. And sometimes we've got to realize that we need to be silent so we don't get dragged into the foolishness. That's how life is. Talking to a fool is not the same every single time. And so there's different proverbs for different situations. See, God's word is not messed up. It is a treasure. It is the most valuable book you own. It is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Even to separating bone and marrow. It's amazing. you got to trust it. Trust the word of God. Trust that these are words of wisdom that become words for wisdom because they are words from wisdom. They're words from wisdom. It leads us to that, to that last verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you took the entire book of Proverbs and summarized it into one sentence... Verse 7 would be it. It would be the summary. See, ultimately, Proverbs is not in here so that we can learn to live a wise life, have a life of wisdom for our sake, for our benefit. That's not why it's there. It is there to lead us on a path to God himself so that we can live a wise life for his glory and his honor. To shine for him. These are words from wisdom. Now, when you hear this phrase, the fear of the Lord, it's important to understand that. We're going to be reading Hebrew poetry, and Hebrew poetry comes at us in, in a certain form, okay? There's, there's lines that come at us, and so it's kind of helpful to know how they, how they write. So um, you got this A line, and then you'll get a B line. So the A line says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then along comes the B line, and it says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that B line seems to be separated from the A line, like they're not related. But actually, the B line is telling us something about the A line. It's helping us understand what the writer just said. Um, so it sounds like, you know, those two are, are a little bit separate. How does the B line help us understand the A line, the fear of the Lord? Well, that wisdom and instruction that fools despise, <clears throat> you know, it's... It's really not easily received, uh, the wisdom and, and instruction. See, it requires the one being taught to come under the one who is teaching. Okay, so a student 
must say to themselves, I don't know everything. I can't learn this. I need to trust this person who teaches this and believe that they know what they're talking about and they know more than me. So there's a a dying to self when it comes to learning and growing in wisdom. It must happen if you're going to be instructed. It's this admission, I am not enough. I am not enough and and here is someone who knows more. See, fools do not do this. They, They will not. Fools think, they they go, I don't know, but I can figure it out. They think they are enough. They despise that dying to self. Now, they despise wisdom not because they think they're wise or that they don't want to be wise. They despise wisdom because of the process it takes to get the wisdom. Okay. See, receiving wisdom means that you're going to have to take what you've been instructed and go test it out in real life and then come back and ask how I did. And they're going to tell you, well, you could have done better or you didn't do this right or whatever. I mean, that's learning. That's how life, life goes. You probably know that we have homeschooled our kids. Um, so this is the start of our 23rd school year at Living Letters Academy. We are down to only one student, which is different than all the other years before. Uh, now, our schooling philosophy is pretty simple. It's, it's work on reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay, pretty, pretty, pretty simple stuff. Uh, so when it comes to the reading and the arithmetic, it's kind of easy to know if your student is getting it. You know, if they're reading or if they're getting the right answers in math. I mean, it's kind of objective. But when it comes to writing, that's a different story. Now, writing's a bit subjective. So, you know how writing goes. You know, you learn about writing. You learn about subject lines and you learn about um, how to develop an idea and you learn about how to persuade and how to start a sentence and using L-Y words and so on and so forth. And then, so then your student learns this stuff and then they go write a paper and then they come back and they turn it in. Now I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, 100% sure, yeah, every one of our students wanted their first draft to be their final draft. You know, they didn't like being edited. They didn't like being told, you know, you can do better here. You can, you need to do a little bit. You need to give me more on this idea. They didn't like being edited. Who does? I don't. Fools despise it. They despise it. Now, all of our students... So far, <clears throat> all of our students so far didn't like it, but they accepted it and they submitted their drafts again and again to the red pen markings. <clears throat> Writing comes from within you, right? It's your heart, it's your life. You're putting your mind down on paper and it's hard to be told that you're not enough or you're not good or it's... it's uh, it's hard to be edited. How are you with being edited? How are you with that? You know, you're, you're getting ready to go and write out your best life for August 4th. 
How would it feel that someone at the end of the day comes along with that red pen and says, Hey, could you give me more here? You could have done a little better here. Actually, you didn't do this right. Fools despise it. They won't listen. They won't receive. They won't change. That's the B line. How does it help us understand the A line? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Well, listen, the fear of the Lord is not us cowering at his feet, waiting for the punishment, the red pen mark, because we didn't live up to his standards. You know, I had a friend tell tell me one time who had not been in church in a really long time. He said, you know, if I go to church now, God's just going to send a lightning bolt and strike me down. That is not the fear of the Lord. Not even close. The fear of the Lord. Fearing him is about reverence and about awe. It is about respect and love. Fearing the Lord is about submitting to his awesomeness and surrendering to his will in your life. It's about wanting to make him smile and asking him to edit you for that purpose. Fearing the Lord is believing that it is he who made you. That it is he who wanted you. That it is he who gets offended when we mess up and we sin. And that it is he who has made a different, who has made a way for us to have life with him by overcoming the, mess, the messes and the sins. So, you know, we got these fortune cookies right here. We got them right here. Um, why, why don't these little slips of paper carry any weight in our life? Because we don't know where they came from. Who writes these things? But we do know who wrote this. We do know who wrote this. And there is no better place that you can go to find what you need for life. Not the internet. Not Siri or Google. Not the greatest college in the world, Purdue. <laughs> no better. See, Lord? Sacrifice and praise right there. That's an act of worship. No better place you can go to get the wisdom and instructions you need. See, these are words of wisdom, for wisdom, from wisdom. Are you ready to run after them? And we're going to close the service by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And you don't need to be a member of Living Streams to participate, but you do need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you some words from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 24. It says, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Are you, are you here this morning and in your life you've been looking for a sign that God is real and really God? See, that is not how you come to believe in him. 
Are you here this morning and you kind of look at this book and you think it's kind of on the same level as a fortune cookie? It's just a dusty old book with stories for children to, to enjoy. That is not how you'll find the wisdom for your life. Are you here this morning and you are believing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God? That he came and he lived our life and he did that without sin. Even so, he gave himself over. The best person that ever lived gave himself over to die the worst death that anybody could ever die. Jesus, he was stripped naked. He was beaten to an inch of his life. He was paraded through the streets being spat on up to a place called the skull on top of a hill. He was nailed to a cross, lifted up in the air while people made fun of him. Why? Why? When he could have stopped it at any moment, why did he go through such a humiliating death and and all that pain? Because of me. Because of you. Because of love. See, we were born broken. And our brokenness doesn't just mess up our lives. It offends Him, the one who made us. He is perfect. He is holy. And so Jesus died the death that we deserved. So that we could have life with God forever. His blood was poured out. Not for His sins. He had none. And that made it Possible for my sins to be covered by that. Your sins. So when they took Jesus down from the cross, they buried him in a tomb. But three days later, he rose from the grave, proving to anyone who would look to him that he is God. And that in him, death loses and life wins. So I ask you this morning, do you believe this? Has it come into your life? Have you believed it for yourself? Your sins have been forgiven by Jesus, your personal sins. See, He is the power of God. And when that happens, you know it happened. The Bible says He takes out our stony heart, our stubborn stony heart, and He replaces it with a heart of flesh that beats to want to follow Him. It's called being born again. Have you experienced that power? Now that you have that heart, you live to follow Him, you know Him to be the wisdom of God, have you believed this? It's the wisest thing you can do today. It is the beginning of wisdom to fear the Lord. Trust Him with your life. Believe in Him. So, you know, we're all going to come up and grab some elements up here. A, a piece of bread and, and a cup. And if you're here this morning and you haven't experienced the power of God, and He is not the wisdom of God, I beg you this morning to trust Him with your life, to believe in Him. And you can do that. Come on up to this altar of prayer. Grab some bread, grab a cup. Come here and start praying. And just, you know, just say, I believe in you. And then remember what He did. And know it was for you. And then take the bread and the cup. Symbols that he gave us to remember how he did and what he did. And leave a new person.
you'll join in with, with his children by doing that. So let's pray. For this is what the Lord himself has said about his table, and I have passed it on to you before. That on the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, that he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Heavenly Father, as we come to your table today, we come with full hearts, having been soaked in some of these words of wisdom and the opportunity that's before us to pursue it. All because of Jesus and all for Jesus. And so I, I do just pray today as we as we come and remember what He's done for us today. Pray for those who are still outside looking in on Jesus. That they might take a step of faith in believing in Him today at this altar. I pray for those that have been following for years. And know he is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Pray as they come and remember. Their hearts are full of love and awe and the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.